0: Real life, real conversations, motivational, fitness, self-defense, weight loss, live from the Great 18. This is Real Talk with Mark Cox.
1: We're live then. Here we um, are. That's right. Here we are. Actually, that light looks a little bit better now. Good. Yeah, your, your face, you only half your face is white. if we wait for people to come on they'll all laugh about this this is like an everyday thing for me and jay we get to talk each other see each other we saw each other for nine hours on saturday and so uh those guys that uh follow me uh, you guys that are out there in uh georgia and stuff that will be watching today you guys get to uh, meet him i talk about him all the time so uh this is jason flame he's got our uh uh, karate and krav school out in moore park he's got his own podcast master motivation it's his motivation things i do on mondays and uh so with no further ado this is jason flames good to see you this morning sir
2: thank you for having me i'm excited to be on the
1: other side of the camera mm-hmm. so to speak today yeah so i'm looking forward to that because usually uh you know you you you're uh you're talking about everybody else and and how everybody else is doing and and, uh, but before I get going, did you watch Blake's fight?
2: I have not watched it. I know the result, but I didn't get to watch it yet.
1: <laughs> he knocked that fool out, bro.
2: Yeah. His mom sent me a, a video and I was going to watch it this morning and I was literally rushing out of the house to get yeah. here. So it's not very long,
1: dude. So you can watch it. Where <laughs> you go- yeah. Well, you can watch it while you're going to the bathroom, to be honest with you. Um, <laughs> so, uh, yeah, it was, it was a good, it was a good fight. It was, uh, he, he was super hyped and. And, uh, I just talked to him the other night, so I'm going to have him on post, uh, post fight. We're going to talk about it a little bit.
2: Yeah. He looked good. Yeah. He looked lean. He came down, you know, a ton of weight, super, I mean, looking super sharp. I was watching all his training videos.
1: So, yeah, you know, yeah, it was good. Yeah. yeah it was real good. So, uh, so Jay, why don't we, uh, th- this will be a little bit more about you because nobody gets to know uh, a lot about you sometimes. So, um, we'll, uh, we'll start with, uh, why don't you talk about your family, you know, uh, Mom and dad, lucky, you know, just like me, both our parents are still alive. So, right. and your brothers and, and your family and who you have, and we'll go from there. Your wife, your children, why don't you introduce yourself a little bit?
2: Sure, absolutely. Well, uh, again, I'm Jason Flame and uh, just excited to be here this morning. And so thanks again for having me as a guest. Um, I come from a, a family of, of five, um, although many of my uh, extended family also lived right here in California. I was born in Thousand Oaks at, at Los Roses Hospital. I'm, I'm literally 15, 10 to 15 miles from where I was born. And uh, my mom and dad uh, still with us, uh, just moved to Utah. My dad was in construction my entire life. Uh, my mom was a stay at home mom. So she was always there for you know everything we did. She was actually the one that was responsible for getting me involved in martial arts. I have two younger brothers, uh, Justin, who is just four years younger, who went into construction as well. Um, he, you know, we all worked with my dad when we were younger and he just, uh, he took that on and continued. Um, and then my our youngest brother, Jacob, who's seven years younger than me, also owns a martial arts school in Newberry Park where we grew up. So um, they're both doing real well. They, they have kids of their own. They're married and super proud of them. My wife, we met in 93, um, about a year after I graduated high school. Um, Interesting story how we met, but I'll save that for another time, or maybe you'll ask me more about it, but um, we we met in high school. She was still a senior in high school at Agora, and uh, we started dating in 93. She actually started training in martial arts that very same year, and we have two children, 19 and 17, or excuse me, 16. Mason thinks he's 17. Uh, Jackie's right outside right here watching. And uh, so uh, yeah, Maddie's Maddie's 19 and just graduated high school uh, in going into her second year at, at Park College. My son Mason's a junior in high school absolutely loves uh, wrestling and he played football and baseball and I enjoyed time coaching him in those sports. Um, got a couple couple dogs Brittany and Buster. Brittany is the little one and she beats up on the big bulldog and yeah so that's a, that's a little bit about me I grew up in Newbury Park uh, lived there you know m- most of my um, childhood all the way up until I was probably right after high school I moved out here to Moore Park and opened up our karate school and I'll let you ask some more questions so I don't take up
1: too much just blabbing on <laughs> yeah no I think that's good I think that you know you do a lot of hosting yourself so nobody gets to To know really uh, about you and your, you know, and I have a, I have a more, uh, you know, I I got a relationship with you for, for many, many years. I mean, we're looking at probably 20 plus years at this point now. I mean, how old are you now? I I think it's like 30 years. I'll be 47. I I see 20 all the time because that's what sounds, that's what sounds a lot, but it's not. It's like probably like 30 because I'm, you know, I'm old as dirt. So well, I
2: think I think I was uh, almost 19 when I came to work for you and started training with you. Mm-hmm. Um, we met. Well, my, my earliest recollection from you, I probably have told you this before. My earliest recollection of you was at the martial arts ballet. Um, our instructor, Mr. Chikawa, uh, put this event on and it was a huge performance. And I just remember. Uh, this big green belt, just trashing everybody, p- picking people up and throwing people and loud. And I'm like, dude, this guy's crazy. But it was like, it was cool. I was, I was probably like 10, 10, 11, something like that. Yeah. Back then when I first, yeah. first met you.
1: Yeah. Green belt. So yeah. Cause I started, you got to start martial arts, I think in, in, as a child more and more in your, I guess, preteen years, I think. Right.
2: I was 10 years old.
1: Yeah. And so, you know, and I I didn't get, I didn't start until I was in my, in my twenties. So, you know, that's just a different, um, you know, just a different time frame that you got to, you know, grow up in it. And I kind of mm-hmm. grew into it. You know what I mean? And yeah, mm-hmm. I was, I was, I was loud and proud back in the day. That's for sure. So
2: not um, much has changed.
1: Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> I'm a little more mellow. just a a little sometimes (laughs) though. Um, but so let's talk about where, let's talk about your, um, I want to talk about not your martial arts just, just yet, but your family. Okay. I want to talk about, uh, you know, we just got to watch your son Mason do his, uh, his thing yesterday. You know, he just tested again in Krav Maga went through the shoot house, went through all that stuff that happens. You know what I mean? And, uh, you know, what, what's it like, what's it like from the sidelines watching mm-hmm. your son, watching
2: yeah, your son do his things? It's crazy because I, I don't often get to be a dad. As a matter of fact, I asked Mr. Carlin before the test, I said, we have enough black belts, right? Cause can I just be a dad to, to watch this test? Um, And gosh i i get goosebumps when i start thinking about my kids training because they both started when they were just babies literally you know maddie and, and mason both started at two years old you know i couldn't wait to get them out on the mat and uh you know maddie pursued dancing and did some other things but you know watching watching my son and i know you you've had this it's it's a different experience uh when you go through martial arts with your son uh, just your relationship with your son is so different than with your daughter. Like you know, my my daughter gets away with everything, right? Like she can mm-hmm. just have whatever she wants, and she could break me down to to just about nothing. Uh, but you know, my son, it's it's just so I'm so proud of him. You know, watching him yesterday test, he's had he's had his shoulder dislocated two times, and he just he just powers through stuff. I mean, I was watching him grapple grown men with essentially one arm, because he doesn't really use his right arm when he's grappling, and he was tapping people out. I was just, I was blown away. I was shocked by that. Um, but even more than that, you know, his his skill is one thing, but just his, he's he was never a competitive kid. You know, when he played baseball and, and soccer, I would always be a little bit frustrated, like, dude, come on, like be, be more aggressive. He just wanted to have fun. That's always been Mason's thing. He's always, he just wants to have fun. And so, um, getting the aggressive side to come out in him was, was kind of new. And I think actually it was football that really brought out the aggressive side. And then wrestling, um, has just become his, he, he just really, really loves wrestling, but his work ethic is unbelievable. I look at him every time and go, I, I was nowhere near that caliber of an athlete. I, I didn't have that same. And, and let me tell you, my dad was probably the hardest worker. You know my dad. Right. Uh, I mean, nobody worked harder than my dad. He, he'd work 20 hours and, and be ready to do more. Um, I hope that I helped instill that work ethic. But I, that's that's probably the thing that I'm most proud of is that he can just get out there and work you know, he's hitting the pads. He's he's hitting his all his push ups, sit ups, squats, and just just running through it. So, um, yeah, it's it's an awesome experience. It's one of my favorite things to watch Mason do whatever he's doing um, on the, whether it's on the mat or on the field.
1: Yeah, he uh, yeah he's he's been I've been enjoy watching him because I remember we talked about wrestling with him one time and. He really wasn't into wearing the tights, so he didn't even do it. So, that's right, uh, right. So that's that's where it where it first started. I remember us. I remember you, not us. Now I remember you trying to push him to do it, and uh, he's like, "I'm not wearing the, mm-hmm. the the tights." You know what I mean? I, I kind of remember that. And I watched you yesterday, and you know, I've told you guys this before. Um, you know, you got a very strong. You know, you got a strong school. But you have this uh, strong family bond. Uh, I noticed it again yesterday. You know, I don't. Uh, you know, I. You know, I'm pretty observant of what happens. But your so your wife is there all. You know, whether you're testing or your or your kids or or students, she's there and she's snapping pictures. Uh, part of that, you know, Jackie's part of that, doing that, and then you're there cheering, being the cheerleader for Jason. Or, for Jason. Well, that's, that's, she's there, (laughs) she's there for that too, especially when we're beating on your ass, but, uh, you know, being that cheerleader for Mason and then, you know, you see your daughter show up. Yeah, You know what I mean? So I've noticed that I've noticed that you have, you've grown a, quite a strong family bond there within your home, you know? Um, and I've always been, I've always admired it to be honest with you, that, uh, you have this closeness with, uh, your, your family the way it is and they all, you guys come together and you support each other and uh, you're there with each other. Mm-hmm. And so I just, uh, I just wanted to put that out there that we have some other school owners that are, are watching, I'm sure. And it is, it's, Martial arts business is a hard business because we work when everybody's coming home and having dinner, and then they're going to go in for a workout. You know what I mean? Like we get a workout at 10, uh, or, you know, early morning or 10 o'clock, and they're coming in for their workout after work. You know what I mean? So we don't have those family dinners where we're sitting down at the table and stuff like that, especially in the beginning when we first opened up our school and you had to have this cohesive unit that worked well together. And you just, I don't know, you just, you did that. And it was, it's always, uh, admirable to, to, I've always admired watching from afar, uh, that, cause I do watch that. And, you know, I love Maddie just like you do. She's almost like a little daughter to me. Matter of <laughs> fact, last time she came, she's calling me and it's like, Mr. Cox, you want some coffee? And she yeah. brings me, uh, you know she brings me coffee it's just uh, a testament to both you and Jackie's your your leadership in your homes and you know just growing some great kids man and mason was a beast so i did enjoy i just want to talk about that a little bit because you know you you've also coached some baseball
0: mm-hmm. right
1: what we used to what we used to as a school like we were always in competition with right soccer baseball whatever you just embraced it also and said, well, I might as well coach it. You know what I mean? Right. And which proved once again, right, that martial arts is part of your life, part of a kid's life. It should be a long-term part of life because most sports, they have an end date, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, They have a season. And martial arts don't have a season. Right. But the martial arts should be able to bring out the better athlete as far as respect goes and, and, and work ethic goes. And probably back then, um, is when you saw, you know, because of the martial arts, you see them step up. I'm just a firm believer that the base in martial arts, the self-discipline that comes with it. I just talked about this. I think again on the mat the other day about discipline and self-discipline, you know, and motivation and discipline are two different worlds, you know, Uh, we're motivated to do stuff every morning. We wake up, you know. By noon, it's gone. And discipline has to step in. So, yeah. I just think that that it shows <laughs> it, it shows just a really good character on yourself. That two things: first of all, you can be a dad that does coaching and teaching, and the second thing is your kids can still play after school sports and mm-hmm. do martial arts. Right. Well, mm-hmm.
2: you know, so. So here's the deal. I,
1: I back in the day when I first opened my school,
2: and I, I remember even before opening a school and being an instructor at different schools, I remember actually being irritated by other sports. I was always irritated by the other activities because they got in the way of martial mm-hmm. arts, is how I looked at it. And you know, it, it, everything changes, everything changes when you have kids to all those people that told me when I was a young teenage instructor, that you'll see when you have kids, you were right, you, 100% right, because I did not understand um, just that whole other side of it. And so I was against other sports. I, I would tell my kids all the time, not not my kids, but my students, I would tell them, oh, you can miss that baseball game. You can miss this. Like, why, why, why do you have to miss karate? And, and then when when our kids started getting involved in sports, you know, of course, I wanted to be there and I wanted to be involved. I wanted to, well, I have a hard time sitting on the sidelines as it is. So I wanted to get out there. And so I really started to embrace how we teach martial arts like you said and and bringing it out on the field. There were so many times that I would literally start a baseball practice and I'm talking with like 4 and 5 year olds. I would start them on the first baseline. They would have to come to attention. We'd have some kind of um, discussion or mat chat and then we'd get going into into our warm-ups. And most of the warm-ups that I did weren't necessarily baseball drills or skills. They were just things that I knew that would help their coordination, it would help their balance, it would help their speed. And so I, I started watching how things went along and it was then, you know, when our kids were doing sports, soccer, baseball, then football that I said, you know, man, our martial arts really makes these athletes just so much more focused, have so much more discipline. They're respectful. You know, I, I would insist that every player, I didn't care if they were four years old, they went and shook hands with every coach after practice. That was just a the thing uh-huh. they had to do because we, we raise our hand and bow to black belts. It, it, it was, I wanted to instill that same thing. And I had a lot of compliments from parents. They're like, you know, well, what, what do you do? And I said, well, I, you know, I, I've been teaching martial arts for, you know, quite a while. And they said, I, I love it. I love your approach. And that was when I realized that the way we teach can really impact people in every aspect of their life, not just on the mat, not just kicking, punching, blocking. I mean, I kind of always knew that, but I never really saw it until I saw my kids playing sports. So now I'm a huge advocate. You know, I'm, I'm all about trying to get our, our black belts to, put, to be wrestling in high school, to be doing football and sports, because these kids need, they need the outlets. They need the social interaction. They need you know, some goals, like, you know, who knows? The more opportunities you have, you play football, you wrestle, whatever. You may have more opportunities when you move on to college, but I really encourage them to play sports and that they can do both. That's the thing is they don't have to pick and choose. They don't have to choose karate or soccer. You can do both and check it out. My mom is watching from Utah. What's up, mom? Yeah, Love
1: you. Yeah, there she is. Jose is on it too. Patrick. Hey, Jose. Too. Hey, um, the yeah, I think that you know watching i I think that that's a such a lead into to what we do outside the mat uh, that punching and kicking is so little of what we do uh, to develop uh, a winner's mindset, and so you know I've, I've watched you do that, uh, take it on. You know, you know who else did that? Believe it or not, I got to give him props for that. Is Frankie McConnell? He went and coached his kids too. Mm-hmm. His kids, mm-hmm. his kids, played soccer and all that kind of stuff too. Um, and so, and you know, Mikey, my most of my kids didn't play sports. Michael played some baseball, you know, and I told you my stories on the baseball field. Just the, the, the disrespect of parents was just un, uncanny in my. It was super hard for me because I'm like, that stuff just does not uh, does not fly inside my school. Right. And uh, I would just lose it. You know, it's like this is just ridiculous.
2: uh, Let let me share this story really quick, because I I can also (laughs) attest to that. And uh, remember Dan Povitz?
1: Yeah, I remember Dan.
2: Okay. So, uh, if he's watching or you watch this later, uh, he'll remember this because I, when I was coaching an all-star game, you know, don't let, let's not forget that I'm a very competitive person. I hate losing. There's nothing that I can't stand more than losing. You know, I, I always play to win. Right. And so we're playing a game and, and something, something was going on and, and baseball was always, there's always a little bit of chatter with the coaches and, uh, I remember I was, I was getting heated. I was getting heated on a call because an umpire was just doing a terrible job. Probably wasn't really my place to step up and tell him he wasn't doing his job, but of course I did anyway. And I remember hearing a voice from across the field. Hey, master flame, you should probably calm down and step back in the the dugout. And I went, Oh God, (laughs) I'm like, who's calling me out. Right. And, And it was, it was, it was Dan. So, uh, at the time it was super, super embarrassing. You know, because here I am, uh, a martial arts instructor that's supposed to have discipline. But I'm the one getting heated and going nuts because I'm so in the moment of winning this game. So, yeah, it happens. It happens. And uh, I think that I, I, I was always told that I was a very passionate coach. Um, I, you know, I, I always wanted the best for my players and for my team. And so that part of the game, man, that really does come out, that 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 side uh, it's very easy. It happens very quick, even even at the five year old divisions. But um, anyway, just yeah. a, a funny yeah. but not so funny story.
1: You know, I think you shared that with me. I, 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 you know, I see, I run into Dan uh, every once in a while. Um, I, you know, I'll, I'll bring up that story when I see him because he's over here. I see his wife quite often too. Um, yep. But yeah, he was a yeah, he was a huge baseball. Uh, mm-hmm. But I guess he he put you in check, huh? <laughs> yep, he did. He absolutely did. <laughs> it's funny how that happens, right? we don't really realize how many people are watching us when we're in the, we're in the moments, you know, I, you've heard plenty of stories on my side too, that I'm just like, oh, man, I should have not done that. You know what I mean? And right. then we, you know, which, which can lead into, so we talk about your coaching and your, your family and you know, you got a you know, your strong unit that you have. And uh, so in that, I guess that pushes you out to your community, you know, um, you know, I ran for office here, just, uh, y- you know, I've been on the, on the, you know, the board here, the neighborhood board here, you know, uh, you know, that's an experience, the chamber and everything else. And this is what you're involved in, uh, in your hometown. And I got to mm-hmm. tell you, you've done some stuff, you know, I, it's a testament to both. Cause I know Jackie's in the background doing most of this, you know, planning, you know, cause she's got that She's got that skill, but, um, mm-hmm. but having you guys, you know, that I have tried to mimic some of the stuff that you do, you guys have done in Moore park, especially the tree lighting. Hmm. And, um, you know, cause you know, I, I kind of like Christmas just a little bit. Yeah. Cause my tree is already, my tree's already is, up. Is and, it 97 uh, days right now or what? Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's. It's 97 or 96, but my tree's already up and it's decorated for fall. Um, and then we'll, uh, right after Halloween, we'll have it ready for Christmas. But uh, the, you know, so when I tried to do this, because we got this great train center, uh, this Metro train center, there's a big thing of land right there. There's no reason it can't look nice and put up a, a, a tree and have this tree lighting. I'm telling you that I've tried it for two years and to, to no avail. I can't mm-hmm. get, so to see what you've done in your small town, being able to do that has been, you know, has been awesome by the way. So there's no way I can tell you from my, my experience in, and being part of the chamber of commerce and doing, I I've been on the Chatsford neighborhood council now for to what three terms, you know what I mean? And the political side of it when you got to work with L.A. is just a nightmare. You know what I mean? Uh, they just don't really they you you really realize how important local local politics are in 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 the short run. Right. And, and yep. to make your community, you know, be able to have to, to have something. Yeah. And so I've I've watched you guys do this. I've tried to mimic this thing. And I have I have just been up against road stop after road stop being able to do it. You know I've asked you questions about it, and you know so was it? I mean, one of the main things you guys do that is the Christmas thing where you mm-hmm. guys kind of have Highland. Now, Moore park is kind of an old old town. You know, it's kind of like a it's even smaller than Simi, right? Uh, oh, yeah. Where it's got this old town feel. You got this one old town part of town right. uh, that kind of looks you know uh, rustic and Uh and stuff like that right so you know what's that like for you now serving on on communities what's what first of all why did you do it Mm -hmm. and um what's 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 your benefit out of it what have you what did you start to do but what what has it benefited you you understand i'm trying to ask there. yeah
2: yeah for sure well you know it all goes back to this and um i tell this story a lot around thanksgiving time because um one of the first things that we ever did as far as a community service was we did a kickathon and we raised money so that we could purchase food so we could put together food baskets to donate to our food pantry. Right. Um, I, I I really never had any intention of ever getting involved in any kind of politics because I just can't stand politics. I hate the inside games. Um, I never really thought that I would be in a position where I would be looked upon as a as a leader in the community. I, I was always very comfortable being a leader in my school because that's my niche. Those are those are my people. That's my family. I, I, I'm a karate guy. That's you know that's what I thought, and so I, I never really saw myself getting to you know do some of the things that I do now. But it really it all started with that kickathon, and uh, if hopefully my mom's still watching, but. I, I remember distinctly. I don't remember my age, but I remember my mom saying, "Hey, we're gonna go to the grocery store. We're gonna we're gonna go get groceries." She didn't say grocery store. We're gonna go get some food. And I said, "Okay, I'll, I'll go." You know. And so we pull up to somebody's house, and uh, we pull up to this house, and I'm like, "Mom, I thought we were going to get food." And she said, "We are. Just come on." And so we go to the, we go to the door, knock on the door. Um, this lady, I still remember her name was Bernadette, uh, we walk in my, she invites us in the house and we walk into her house and then we go into her garage and her garage is full with food, you know, canned food, uh, the old block cheese, powdered milk, that kind of thing. And so, uh, you know, we kind of picked out what we needed and grabbed our stuff and, and went home. And, and I, back then, I don't really remember how I felt or what I thought or, or anything like that I, I really I really even as a kid when we were poor broke whatever didn't have a lot like it honestly didn't really seem that bad I mean we did live in a 20-foot travel trailer for you know quite a number of years uh, the, the five of us but then again like that was just that was just normal I just didn't really think much of it so getting that food that time always comes back in my mind you know, and, and I, I told myself as a, later as a teenager, and there were, there were a lot of other times that I remember, you know, struggles and, you know, things were not easy when I moved out. My parents moved to Oregon and I decided I was going to stay in California. i just met this, this girl, we just started dating. I didn't want to leave that, that was Jackie. Um, and so I stayed here and, and struggled a lot, but anyway, it goes back to that, that day picking out food. And, and so we started a, a, what we call the basket brigade. And we donated, I think the first year we did either, I think it was 50 baskets of food. And then it went to a hundred, then it went to 150. And, and one year we did several hundred. And so that's where community service really started in, in Park for me really started to kick in. And I'm like, wow, that was really cool. That was a, that was a good feeling. And I always tell the story to, to my kids about going to get that food and how I remember at some point I told myself if I ever have enough money or if I ever have the means to do something good, I'm going to pay that forward. And I'm going to make sure that I help people uh, that need help. So that's where it started. And then just, you know, little things here and there, you know, our kids were little. Um, Jackie was always involved. She was always team mom. She was always the classroom mom. She was always helping, always you know, serving in some way, and, and honestly, sometimes in the beginning, there were times where I didn't want to do it unless I was getting something back. I was like, mm-hmm. "Well, if I'm going to do that, I want I want an advertisement for the studio. I want I want flyers in, in, in you know." And so, yeah, in the beginning, it's kind of how it was. But then I started realizing the more that we were giving, a it just felt good, and b people really do recognize that. And they started asking, then people started asking, Hey, can you do this? Can you do that? Sure. Absolutely. Can you provide breakfast for the teachers? Absolutely. Can you come and teach class, uh, You know, a PE class? Absolutely. Can you do this? Can you do that? And, and before I know it, you know, we're just kind of volunteering in, in every, in everything, you know, we just really dove in, like I said, I, I moved here in 93 to Moorpark. Um, and, I, and we've been here almost ever since, lived in Seamy for a little bit, um, but you know we've just really dove in and, and done a lot of things, learned a lot and, and helped a lot. And when it came to the Chamber, I think I was 19 years old when someone recommended that I join the Chamber of Commerce. So I did, because I thought that's the thing you do. And then I go to the Chamber, and I even tell this to my board of directors sometimes, I say, you know, I, I I would show up, and it just just didn't feel right. Just didn't feel good. I didn't feel welcome because I was I was nineteen. Everybody else is like, you know, old. whatever. Well, I, I mean, I don't want to say old because I'm almost that age now, <laughs> but but it, it, it wasn't comfortable. It, it, I didn't I didn't feel like I fit in. So so I bailed, and then I I just I quit going to the chamber. Didn't participate, and then I started seeing things. I didn't really like what I was seeing. I started hearing things, didn't really like what I was hearing. And I could have either just sat back and and bitched and moaned that like, I don't like this or it's not going well. And I said, you know what, you know, the old saying, if you can't beat them, join them. Uh, So I I jumped in, I just jumped in, joined the the chamber again, started going to meetings, Um, volunteered to, you know, to help out with different events, was asked to sit on the board of directors, Within, uh, I think, the first year and a half, I was asked to be the, the um, chairman of the board. And so I'm just finishing up my second year as, as a chairman. This will be my final year as chairman. I'll remain on the board. Uh, I've, I've learned a lot about how things work at, at the higher levels. I've made a lot of really good friends um, because when you start doing things, you start volunteering, you start giving back, you start surrounding yourself with people that are doing the same. Correct. Right. It's very easy to be the one that sits on the sidelines and, uh, I mean, God, you, you see it on Facebook all the time, right? The bitching and moaning and complaining and yeah, I just, oh my gosh, it drives me crazy because the people that complain the most do the least.
1: That's correct.
2: They literally sit and do nothing, but they want to complain about what everybody else is. Oh, they should do this and they who who's they? Where where are you? Right? right. What, what, are, what are you actually doing? And so, like I said, I I could have sat there and, and I was that person for a bit. I was really bitter and just like, I couldn't, I couldn't get in, right? I always wanted to get in and I couldn't. And then I found a different door. And so, you know, that's kind of where we are now. And then the, the tree lighting, you know, holiday on high street, uh, one of the, the you know, one of the things that we're most proud of is, you know, Jackie and I have some good friends, uh, Mike and Tricia Shields, uh, Daniel Gilbert Groff. We literally sat down for for dinner, maybe it was lunch. We're eating at Lucky Fools. It's Mike and Tricia's place, and uh, we're just chatting, and just ideas start flowing, and before you know it, we're like, let's do this thing, and and it was it was like weeks of planning and preparation. Mm. And here we are now several years later and uh, there, you know, there's always, there's always some red tape, you know, we went from being completely and totally independently funded uh, by sponsors and, and with our own investment in the, in the project, but now we partner with um, other businesses we partner with other you know this the city um, they help sponsor the event Um, we still manage the event we still run the event we still plan the event but now we've got the buy-in from everybody else that really want to be a part of it and that's that's been a huge blessing for us
1: yeah it's been great it's it's good to see what you do with your you know uh, you know it's it's the unsung stuff that that you see. I don't know any other business. Do you know any other business that is supplying uh, teachers supplies when they, when they start needing it, feeding the teachers in the morning, uh, getting baskets ready uh, Christmas time, uh, you know, for, for the children. This is the, this is the mark of a real martial arts school that is a, a pillar in that community. Now you've been in more, see, I've been in Chatsworth for, over 30 years now, you've mm-hmm. been in Park for how long, 28, 25?
2: Yeah, it, it, since uh, I moved here in 93, started my program at the Arroyo Vista Rec Center in 94, opened the official location in 96.
1: 96, okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that sounds about right, because I had been around, because I, I opened in 90, October of 1990. Right. And so that, yeah, that sounds about right, but uh, you know. And so, you know Ch- Chatsworth has been a beacon of, you know, whether we're it we're in right next door to the uh, the laundromat or the bar, you mm-hmm. know, it, it's always been kind of a pillar of light, just like your school's been in, in Moore Park. Mm-hmm. You know? Do you
2: know why I do you know why I chose Moore Park or how I chose Moore Park? I do not. So um in I earned my black belt in ninety one was was teaching for Mr. Chikawa in uh ninety three I started teaching for Conrad Ercolano. He hired me to come teach at the Spectrum Club. Uh, I was also teaching for Tiffany Wing at the time in Simi Valley. And then at one point you offered me a job to come teach for you. Well, I would have to drive through this area and I would be coming through this area a lot. And so I never knew, I, I never really knew where Moorpark was. I heard of it. Um, again, growing up in Newberry Park, everything we did was on the 101. And back in the day, the 23 didn't go through to the 118. You'd have to get off the 23, cut across like Olson, then get on the freeway and oh, then yeah, head, yeah. Out to, ha- head out to Chatsworth or go the long way out and around. Right. Well, anyway, when I decided to open a school, you know, it, it, it was you. It was Mr. Chicao, It was Tiffany Wing. And I'm like, well, I can't open in T.O., I didn't want to open in my hometown. That was something that I never ever wanted to do. And uh and then ultimately my brother was the one that did. But I said where can I open that's far enough from my instructors. And so like TO between TO and Chatsworth, it literally like Moore Park was kind of right in the middle. So that's why I chose More Park.
1: Yeah, well it looks like that was uh well, you know, we're pretty, we're men of faith. So uh God puts us where God needs us. So that's, that's, you know, I don't think anything happens by chance for sure. 100%. You know what I mean? So um I, I believe that, you know, you guys are put there on, you know, on purpose for, for a purpose, you know, so it's been, and it's been good. So that's, yeah, that was, that's been good. I wanted to have other people talk about, you know. Because you get to consult now, uh, you know, let's talk about your consulting and then we'll get in a little bit of martial arts and and, Mm -hmm. and 75 hard. But um, let's talk about your consulting, what that looks like for for yourself. Why? Why did you decide to be a martial arts consultant? Mm -hmm.
2: Well, you know, I don't know. I don't know. Once again, I don't know that I really. Decided. I never. I never thought to myself as a martial arts instructor that I was going to go on to be a business consultant. As a matter of fact, as a kid, uh, I wasn't really fond of the the business aspect. I always liked making money, but I didn't really like to do the stuff that it took to make money. Right. Like I just thought, as as most people did. Hey, I love teaching karate. I'm pretty good at it, and I get paid for it. That's that's pretty cool, right? Um, you know, long story short, it was uh. Ten years, ten years after I was in business, so so right around two thousand five, two thousand six, um, you had recommended or you had asked me if I knew what the the martial arts super show was, and I said I have no idea because I've never been to one of these things. You know, prior to that, you know, Jose's on here. I didn't know what EFC was. Um, I I think we barely did any kind of auto pay or any kind of direct deposit stuff back then. Like we were still. I would highlight people as they paid and stuff. Um, I didn't really get into a lot of. I didn't go to a lot of seminars, um, business seminars. I, I went to a lot of tournaments and learning different martial arts, but didn't didn't really know anything. So you said, "Hey, check this thing out. It's in it's in Vegas." Okay, cool. I did. I went um, back then. I had some. Uh, I had a, a group of instructors that were really kind of hungry. They were really. Uh, they were, they were with me when we were making a lot of changes and going to the next level. And I said, Hey guys, let's, let's go check this out. So we did sat in on a success seminar. Uh, Frank Silverman, Mike Metzger were, are leading that event. Uh, back then Robbie Beard was just kind of coming in and I'm listening and listening and listening and I'm going, this is incredible. I'm hearing information that I had never heard before and it was exciting and, um, I, I looked at my wife and I said, I think, I think we should do this. And we ended up joining the Maya elite program, which at the time, uh, was a thousand dollars a month and a thousand dollars a month was like, I think my rent back then was 2000 a month. Right. And so, mm-hmm. so I'm like, man, I'm going to pay a thousand dollars a month to learn how to run my school and how to like all this, uh, God, but it sounds good. And, and, and so stuck with that. I, I actually, um, ended up, Upgrading my program too, moving into to what they called the elite plus at the time and uh, I was in the program about three years and that was that was kind of the completion and Mike Metzger and I developed a, a really good relationship. He and I were pretty close to the same age uh, had a lot of the same interests. Uh, we were both pro wrestling fans. We talk about that. We both like to train a lot and something clicked. They, they saw something in me, and they said, "How would you like to come on board as a consultant for Maya?" And I was just like, "I don't know if I'm ready. I don't know if I'm good enough." You know, it's kind of like when you earn your black belt. I don't know if I'm good enough to teach. I don't know if I'm if I'm prepared for that. Because my my first experience, like leading a, a full class, I remember earning my black belt back in the day. We would test for black belt, and we wouldn't get presented our black belt until like a week later. The night that I got presented my black belt, Mister Chikawa says. Uh, here you lead class and I'm like, huh, <laughs> like, what do I do? Whatever you want. Okay. <laughs> so, so anyway, um, so, you know, Mr. Metzger talks to me, he said, I, 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 believe in you. I think, I think you'd be great for this. I think you have a great mind for it. You, you, you know, I, I worked under him really, really closely. And so I, I, came on as a consultant and so that was probably back, uh, 09 into 2010. And consulted with them for almost ten years, and I, I really, you know, like it. Like as an instructor, you learn. Everybody thinks that the teacher is teaching so much, but the teacher learns so much more from the students. And so I would learn so much from my clients. And I just, I really got the systems down. I really feel like I embrace that, and it 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 fits my personality because I'm a very Systematic person, I'm very Type A personality, uh, you know OCD to the max on, on just about everything, and so it, it it just fit and everything had its 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 system, and so I, I consulted clients all over the all over the world. I had clients um, that I would Skype with back in the day in Australia. had a had a great relationship with. Uh, I remember a couple of them, Ross Taylor. If you watch this, we were Raider fans together. We'd always talk about the Raiders too. Um, had had clients all over the all over the country. I would I would fly to different seminars and and lead those. And it was interesting because about a about two years ago, I decided that it was time for me to step back from that because I felt like I was. I, I felt like I was just getting stale. Uh, honestly, I just felt like I have a, a, a niche of things that I teach and a niche of things that I did, and and I was also taking on other projects. All of these community projects here in Moorpark—you know, the holiday on High Street, the Moorpark Country Days, the Chamber of Commerce—you know, now our new our new business, the restaurant. All of these different things were starting to take up my time, and I didn't feel that I was giving the consulting my utmost attention. It wasn't uh, it wasn't my priority. And so I decided to step back from consulting. So I'm currently not consulting, although I love helping my friends. I love helping anybody that asks me. And I love doing the podcast because it still gives me a great way to stay in tune with a lot of the the leaders in the martial arts.
1: Right. So, yeah. So we'll talk about the podcast, why, you know, I had been. You know, I had looked into this and and set myself up for podcasting for a while. And my original thing was uh, this was a way for me to leave a legacy. Uh, So when I'm gone, my kids can always go back. They can always see video of it and they can see the audio portion of it and listen to me and get a sense of who I was. Or, you know, when I'm not when I'm gone and I have great, great grandchildren that they're going to say, you know, who was my, you know, who was your dad or you know, who was my grandpa and stuff like that. They, they'll mm-hmm. have something to look back on. Uh, this is really kind of the reason I started it. And what was your reasoning for popping in?
2: Yeah. So, uh, I, I always set goals for, for the new year. I mean, I'm setting goals constantly, but I really, I asked myself, I, 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 like challenges and I like like numbers, like doing things consecutively. Um, I, I don't know what it is or why, but I sat down uh, towards the end of 2020, and I said, "Well, what am I? What, what am I going to do for 2021? Like, what's going to be my my thing?" And because you know, 75 hard was took up a big chunk of my time. I was into Spartan races for a long time, and and doing that, I do you know push up challenges, hundred day burpee challenges. I just like that schedule. I said, "What could I do?" And then I'm scrolling through Facebook and, and, you know, obviously with COVID all the nonsense um, there's just a lot of negativity, you know, quite honestly. And that's, that's what I saw. And, and on social media in general, just a lot of negativity, you know, a lot of woe is me, a lot of whining, complaining, whatever. And I, I tend to gravitate towards, you know, looking at some of the leaders and the, the positive mindset and the goal oriented mindset. And I said, you know, I know a lot of people throughout my years that I've made a relationship with that are super motivating people, super inspiring people. And I said, why don't I interview them and let people hear from them? And so, uh, you know, my, my group was called master fitness at the time. And so I just took out the fitness and said motivation. So I started with kind of a group and daily posting and, um, and then I started doing the the, the podcast and then every, you know, every Monday got Brandon Beliso on later today. And I've talked to, um, a lot of people in the martial arts industry, a lot of people that are just, you know, close friends of mine that have had an impact. Uh, I have several pro wrestlers that I'll have coming on and, you know, I'm looking towards 2022 and wondering, you know, how I I already have a list of at least 30 to 40 people that I couldn't fit in in 2021 because i do it every monday and i had 52 guests um so th- that's how i got into it i just i was kind of tired of the the negativity and i wanted to put something out that, that was more positive i agree with you that i think it's a it's a great legacy you know my son watches these uh, i never really asked him to or or i mean i asked if he did right because he'd tell me I, i'll watch this one or I watch that one uh he really liked watching yours with john uh probably because I think he wants to go into the military, but I don't know. Um, and he's just, he's listening and, you know, he, he'll tell me little things out of each interview. Oh, I didn't know this about this person or, or he'll he'll say, "I wow, I didn't know you know that person. That's really cool. So mm-hmm. yeah, I think it'll be a good legacy later for his, his kids and his kids' kids. Uh, also for my students, I think it does show, uh, even though the podcast for me is all about my guest and all about the person I'm interviewing, I think that there's you know little pieces of me that people learn about along the way as as well. I, I try not to get too much into my story, so that's why I'm excited to you know actually get yeah. interviewed <laughs> this time.
1: Yeah. Well, it's good. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I know how that how that goes. How to how to how to uh, you know make sure that uh, you know to to learn about you know I, I I I'm always amazed at what I find out and where it can take a turn in, mm-hmm. in the, cause I don't really prep real much for this. I, I kind of handwrite some stuff down that I want to look at and I want to come, but very rarely does it go that route. Something swings in in there and it goes mm-hmm. off on a tangent. You know what I mean? So, um, you know, and so let's, let's talk about your martial arts now. Um, your, you know, we both have a uh, same instructor, Mr. Chakow. So we're mm-hmm. in our, in American Tong Sudo Mm-hmm. Uh, which is the Chuck Norris system is where we started, right? Were you at when we did the big uh, what do we call those conferences when Dave Myers was there and we were supposed yes. to? Were you there at that at yes. that conference?
2: Yep, I was. I was there. Um, I, I I think that I hit all of the. Uh, The conventions right the atsda convention uh dave meyer we had tadashi yamashida um we've had you know high level people we had Farbors come we had uh benny okidas come uh we almost had john hackleman one year uh we'll get him another time um yeah we've we've had some great people you know and and that was where it kind of spawned a lot of my interest in other arts um in other avenues but you know the person the person that probably brought me out of tongsudo first was Brian Nan. Brian Uh Nan was, he was my private instructor from the time I was a red belt to black belt. And and back in those days, he was, he was dipping his, his toes in, in just about everything else. And, uh, it was when jujitsu and, and not Brazilian jujitsu, but just, you know, the Japanese version.
1: Yeah. He, yeah, he took from George Kirby. Yep. And, uh, it was, yeah, we did that. We did some of that stuff together. It it was fun, man, watching, Uh, and yeah, he yeah he always did. When I I know you're having him come on here soon. Mm -hmm. So Brian Nam, when he was a young dude, (laughs) who did this? uh, You ask him about this story. He lived above. He lived in. He had his own room above the house. Okay, Mm -hmm. and he used to uh, you know all his martial arts weapons. You know Brian was back in the day, but he would dig a hole, and he would jump in the hole and jump out of the hole. This is how he built his legs. Mm -hmm. Spike the jump kick. And then when he could do it easily, he build he dig the hole deeper. Right. Until he can he and, and then jump out of it. So he just did some old school stuff. So yeah, he, he, you couldn't have picked a better guy. That's, that's, that doesn't shock me at, at all
2: because he was always, he was definitely unique in, in the way that he trained me, uh, for certain things. But, uh, you know, another side note about Brian Nan too, is you talk about when I first opened my school, um, the name that I used when I first opened it it, at one time, it was Tongsudo university and, and Brian and I had gotten really close and he was planning to open a school. And he said, I want you to be the head instructor. And I was like, Oh, that's like, that's like a huge, that's a big, like for someone to ask you to be their head instructor of their school. I was like, whoa, that's super awesome. And, and, and he's showing me brochures that he already made up. And it said nice and big Tongsudo University. And I said, that's such a cool name. And then he ended up moving to Georgia and, and doing his thing out there. And so in that time, when I decided to open my school, I, I, I asked him if I could use that name. And he was like, yeah, go ahead. Now, since then, we've obviously changed the name because we've, uh, I, I feel we still teach Sudo and the lineage of Sudo, as far as as the traditional forms, which uh, w- we probably won't go off on that attention of that topic, but uh, we still do do that. But, you know, we've we've really um, brought in a lot more Krav Maga and blended uh, a lot of the Jiu Jitsu that I trained in before Hapkido. Um, I mean, XMA, we were American top team uh, school at, at one point. Um, I just felt that that name didn't fully represent what we what we taught and to the general public people would never have any idea a how to say it right because it was always it was always it was like tang tang do yeah i mean even, even you know experienced martial artists people that i know say still it. still say tang pseudo i'm like you're Resonant. killing me every, yeah. every time but mm-hmm. uh but anyway so so there so here we are
1: yeah so and that you know, that brings in uh, Krav, you know, I pushed you for a long time. I want you to do this. I think you should do this. You know, I've always felt this. The beauty of Mr. Chicao was allowing uh, us to kind of go off and bring something back. That was what he always said. I don't care what you go learn, bring it back and bring it back. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? And so I've always stuck with that. And, you know, I wanted nothing to do with Krav Maga at all i always thought it was a big hype and everything else until i went to a gun seminar and it was really eye-opening for me i was like wow that is i've got a 100 black belts and they couldn't defend themselves against a gun on their best day because we did the stupidest shit ever with a knife and the Mm one-step knife tech i I mean when i look back on what we did i'm like what are we what what are we doing you know what i mean and I feel now, Jay, that I don't know how you feel about this, but we, we had to start all this stuff late. Right. But I think that's why we have such better students than, than we ever were. The athleticism of your son, uh, the multiple stuff that they can do. It's because we saw a shortcoming in, in this art and decided to expand. And then that's how Krav came about. And I asked you for a long time, you need to do this. You need mm-hmm. to do this. And so what changed the corner for you to go what changed that corner so every
2: from the time i was a first degree black belt all the way up it seemed like every time i was moving to the next level second degree third degree and so on right i always kind of took on something Right. I mean, I think it was from first to second, uh, I was doing a little more of the Japanese Jiu Jitsu from second to third. I did a little bit of Hapkido and 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 so I was always because I'm always trying to I, wa- I want to keep growing. Right. I want to keep learning. I don't want to get stale because I know what happens when I get stale and complacent. Um, my students suffer. Everybody around me suffers. And so I thought it was important. Um, When I came to you and and I knew that uh, I I remember when you started learning Krav and going through all the phase training and then implementing the schools and then um, how that just kind of expanded out. It wasn't that I didn't want to do it or didn't agree with how it was taught or any of that. It was honestly, I know myself, if I say I'm going to do it, then I got to do it all the way or it's just going to eat me up. Right. Mm -hmm. And I knew that I was not ready. It was the same thing with 75 hard. I don't want to start something that I'm just going to do half ass, or I'm just, I'm going to do it for a minute, you know? So what really turned the corner is I knew that I wanted to a learn better knife defense and gun defense. Those were the two areas, you know, that, that I didn't feel I had any knowledge in zero. I mean, like we would literally do knife techniques doing this, you know, or we would (laughs) grab and do, you know, a little wrist twist or something, which, you know, I, I, for, for certain levels and, and, and learning techniques, I guess that would be okay. But I started thinking that I wanted to just expand my skills and then I wanted to be able to give it to my students. And I remember distinctly, and I'll call it out before you do, but, you know, uh, it, the gun, right? It was like, I, I I was not really, not really a fan of, of doing gun defense. And I think I even said one time, you know, the, the, like More Park safe or More Park, you know, there's no guns in More Park or something like that. And I don't think I meant it in the way that it was probably taken. But I mean, nowadays, like, like, You just, you just got to be prepared for, for everything and anything. Right. And why, why rule out anything? So I started coming on Fridays and we started with some basic gun and knife and we kept doing it and, and we'd be doing other stuff. And then I don't even really know how it came up because I think Robbie and, and Greg had just tested for their yellow belt or something. And then, um, me and Brandon and Josh, you're like, well, why don't you guys just test for yellow belt? And it wasn't even like a regular test like we do now. It was like just next Friday you guys are testing for your yellow belt. And I swear to God, I <laughs> thought I was gonna, I thought I was gonna die. I think he wanted to kill us. I think he wanted to make us throw up, uh, which is fine because I, I actually enjoy workouts like that. I enjoy that. Um, so, so we tested for yellow belt, and I knew that once, I knew that once I tested for my yellow belt. I was going to go to Black Belt. I just like, it was just, that's what we're doing. And then the more I was doing it and the more I felt part of it, I felt that's that's when I started thinking that it was time to change the name of the school and, and kind of bring it. Because, you know, the Alliance, you know, as tight as we were at one time and how, uh, how big of a group we had, it just wasn't necessarily as cohesive. And I think the, the biggest difference is that all the Krav guys, trained together. None of the Tong Sudo guys trained together. All the Tong Sudo guys did was bicker about who was better, who had the bigger school or who blah 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 blah. It wasn't it wasn't very cohesive to be honest with you. I didn't that that part I did not enjoy. Although we we're all brothers that just bickered at each other, right? But Krav was different because we all trained together. And when you train together there's a different relationship.
1: Yes, yeah, so I guess I was gonna ask you that question, what you think that the downfall of us having that cohesive unit in Tong Sido over, over Krav. And I, I think that's it. I mean, us getting together, sometimes we didn't even train. We just sit and talk and, uh, right. um, mostly and, sit and talk and, uh, <laughs> have, uh, yeah, I, did, I was here last Friday too. And no one showed up. I was like, what the heck? Uh, I um, and you know, having Carson come on board, I, I don't know. I don't know if it's maybe you guys are all a product of me. And so we were more cohesive. You, you know, I, I'm really not sure what, what the change is. I, I tell you this, when my nephew died and I watched firefighters come together for him, I'd never seen anything like it, right? The brotherhood. It was, I, so here's the thing. The, when my, when he was on life support, even, do you know that they had men in in there is his firemen men would take his shift so he can continually get paid? Mm-hmm. They would work his shift so he would have a paycheck. Mm-hmm. I mean, the, the brotherhood, even in my police experience, there's a brotherhood there, but there's a different brotherhood there. And I think it's because they live together and they do everything together. I think mm-hmm. the fire departments, it's different, you know. And I was like, "Why do we not have that as a martial arts thing? Why, when when one of our own are sick, we don't send instructors? Why is it not like that? Why is it when if Jay's going on vacation and he needs some sub in, why can't it be? Uh, uh, you know, hey, we're gonna call up so and so. Hey, guys, this is what I need. Do you guys have instructors that can cover this day, this day, this day? Why do we not have that? It was it bothered me, right?" Mm-hmm. And I couldn't seem to get it to come together in Tonksjadeau, but I was able to do it in Krov. And well, so- if you
2: remember, if you remember, I think the time that things were, uh, I mean, listen, and there, there's a lot of great times and a lot of good stories, uh, great relationships that came out of it. Um, I think the time that every, everything was the most cohesive was when we did the Friday night fight nights and we had the convention because that's when we would, we would have that chance to come together. You know, testing became, um, testing just became a nightmare because you had everybody teaching their own way and teaching their own system and having their own expectations. And then you, I mean, uh, when you have one school that fails every student and they're, because they're not from that school it's not it has nothing to do with the students not living up to some kind of standard or whatever it's the way they're being taught and i can't expect your students to do necessarily what i want them to and you can't necessarily expect mine unless we are doing the same thing in in, intermingling i mean our testing fortunately for krav works out uh it's getting super big and i I foresee at some point uh that 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 is going to be there's going to be some kind of breakdown of how we do it because I mean what do we have like a 100 people test this last Saturday um but but because we train together we we see eye to eye a little bit better and we want I I want the best for each of the students from the other schools I want to see them succeed I don't always feel that we saw that before you know I I, mm-hmm. I mean there's one black belt in particular that literally would fail and and by the way I was a jerk too I I did the same crap you know, when I was from To, I would uh, it just I would look for reasons to fail people, and that was just for a, a totally different reason. But back then, that that's what I think that's what ultimately killed it, and and doesn't yeah. allow us to continue to do what we do. But uh, but Krav has been Krav has been great um, mindset and um, values. I think make a big difference too. Um, you know most of us have the same mindset and the same values and when you get you know several people in the room that have different different values it's it's going to be hard in the world we live in uh my mom says unity and division yeah i mean there's there's so much division these days it's easier it's easier to be divided than to just try to respect someone else's
1: opinion uh, yeah, you're right about that. That's a hundred percent. Yeah, that's good. Good saying. Well, so that, you know, that leads into, uh, y- you know, the 75 hard. So I know you watch me do it. I asked you I know, several times and you're like, man, I got to be. Um, your wife just said good hand. Good morning, handsome to me. That was nice, Jackie. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I, knew, uh, I knew she uh, was talking uh, to you. Um, the, uh, you know. What made you decide to get on the 75 hard? And, you know, this is where, you know, this will be a segment that we can we can end on here and then talk about a little bit because it's going to be a minute. But what made you get what? First of all, what made you do 75 hard? And I want to know what book was the most influential that you did that you read. OK, so what made mm-hmm. you get started?
2: Um, well, I mean, you know, when you watch other people do something and they say it's hard I, I'm kind of that guy that you when you throw out a challenge I kind of have to take it to see if I can do it you know just test myself um I did the same thing recently Jay, Jay Walker said you know something about I'm gonna try to do 100 burpees uh for 100 days or I don't know how many day but I did 100 burpees in 100 days uh just because I saw the challenge I saw 75 hard as a challenge um I I decided well I waited to do it for a long time because once again if I'm not all in I don't want to do it for 15 days it, you know it's 75 hard and I'll tell you 75 it's a bitch <laughs> yes <laughs> it's like 75 days of because you, so the the hardest thing for me was the diet okay the hardest thing was the diet because I got too caught up in the details, I got too caught up in making it like perfect, right? And so I finally just decided I, I'm going to live on a, a, a very low carb, high protein diet, and 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 mi- uh, not minimize, but eliminate all sugar. And you have to eliminate alcohol, which I'm not really a big drinker, but um, I do enjoy a glass of whiskey or you know having a beer once in a while. Um, so that that part wasn't really all that hard but the sugar I love candy um and my wife if you're still watching thank you for putting those sugar filled pumpkins and candy corns out on the table cuz like how do you not walk by and like it sucks um so but I got I got super caught up on on the diet that's really the the one thing that I was like ah, I don't know what I want to do like and and because like you know, do I, do I want to be, do I want to live a keto lifestyle? No, I I don't. Uh, do I want to do this? Uh, you know, do I have to live by like a Mediterranean? No, like I got too caught up in that. So finally, that's what it was. It was, it was a very low, if not zero carb, high protein, uh, uh, reasonable fats, but no sugar. Sugar was the the biggest one for me. So cut it all out. And, um, everything else was actually, um, I have not stopped reading, Jose, you're listening. I have not stopped reading 10 pages a day. And that's my that's my thing. Uh, I do 10, 10 pages every day uh, since I did 75 hard the first time. And that's been almost a year now or more. Uh, I really am enjoying reading. I always told myself I hated reading. I, I didn't really hate reading. I hated what I was reading. Um, so I was I'm more selective in what I read now. Um, And I do only limit myself to 10 pages a day. I never read more than 10 pages a day, whether it takes me 10 minutes or 15 minutes. I I literally do it every day on the bike. As I warm up, I read my 10 pages and it's how I clear my mind to do my workout. And I stop at 10 because I know if I read more than that, I might get bored or I might uh, resent reading. So I just, I stick with that. Uh, The water, the one gallon water, uh, I drink a ton of water all day long. Uh, a gallon is is a little more than I usually drink, but that one comes down to having a regiment, having you know, being disciplined. I, I had a system where I would literally wake up, I would drink 32 ounces of water before I even left the house. I would have to drink 32 ounces during my workout, and then I would just have my other half uh, for the rest of the day. So that was manageable, and. Um, then I got into the phases. You know, I did phase one. I got 24 days in literally forgot one single thing, one journal entry. And, um, I still completed the 30 days, even though I missed that one day. Um, but I still tell myself that I failed it and it's okay. It's okay that I say I failed it. You know, I still got the benefits. I still got the benefits. You know what I mean? Like, um, I think that, uh, but I I really love the challenge of it. I love the challenge. I was on phase one. I was getting up at at 530 in the morning to go out on a walk. I'm not a morning person. I don't like to walk. I I mean, I don't like to get up early. I I just don't. I like to stay up late, but I don't like to go. I don't like to get up early. I did that during phase one. Why? Because I had to push myself to do something different, right? Because if I'm doing something the same way all the time, every day, there's no growth. I started listening to more podcasts. I started listening to more, uh, and I've been posting them in our group, you know, my motivational, you know, 10 minutes of visualization. That was a a big one for me. That was, I I really enjoyed that. So that's where I'm at with 75 Hard in in like 20 more days. I'm going to do phase two, which uh, phase two is just, you know, 30 days of 75 Hard. I mean, two
1: two
2: workouts a day is, I I don't know, for a lot of people that might be a lot. For me, that's the easy part. The working out part, is the easy part. Working out outside, not as easy, but two workouts a day. I I mean, I would do four workouts a day if I had to. I don't, that that doesn't bother me at all.
0: What was your worst,
1: uh, what was your worst outdoor workout? What was your worst? Oh, uh,
2: uh, worst (laughs) Mason actually did it with me. Um, it was, I forget what time at night and I hadn't done the second workout and I hadn't been outside and it was raining. So we uh, we just suited up and went out and we came home and like both of us had, you know, warm up pants on and they were completely soaked, you know, from hip to ankle and, and just shoes are soaked. It, it, it sucked. And, and it was cold.
1: You know, that was probably the worst. Yes. So I was on 75 hard when I traveled. Now, when you travel, mm-hmm. I don't know if you've done 75 hard traveling. But you have to really kind of pick your workouts, like yep. get up early, get a workout in. So when you land, if you you know, because it's always easy to go take a walk somewhere. So right. I landed and then we have a uh, we have a delay and I can't get outside
0: mm-hmm. or
1: I would have just done a workout outside. Right. I can't do push ups and all that kind of stuff inside because it was not an outside workout. Right. When we finally landed in Savannah, it is like hot dude and it is Mm -hmm. amazing right and it's nighttime, and I got to get this workout in so I went down to the studio and I put kettlebells out and so I put one kettlebell on the end of the parking lot and then the other at the other parking lot and I'm going back and forth doing kettlebells and just doing this 45 minute workout and then the rain the torrential rain (laughs) I'm like what the frick I mean when I don't know if you've been a torrential rainstorm but I was like This sucks. But when I was doing it, tell me you don't feel this way. I was so pumped going, there's not another soul doing this kind of thing right now. They don't have enough balls to do it. Right. 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 You know what I mean? And it just pumped me. Right. And it would made that work out as much as it sucked, as much as I loved it. Because I don't know about you. Right. When you started, tell me when you started 75 hard, was everybody it was super motivating for you or how many did it with you? Uh, um, you know, did it with you. And then they just, they, they fell off. You know, like, man, I just mm-hmm. can't, you know, good luck by day 50. Right. You're on your own. Yeah. That's, that's when you and I talk, right. We're like, oh, fucking day 50, bro. And, uh, nobody else cares. Right. Right. Nobody else gives, gives, cares one thing about, what you're doing at that point, and now it's right. all about you. Have you have did you did you feel that in 75 hard?
2: Absolutely. I um, you know, I started with a few people uh, when I did 75 hard. I, I the first time, I I wanted it to be like you know I wanted to have this team and like kind of do it together and we can bounce off each other and and yeah and, and you know what's funny is and after I had a few people tell me that they didn't tell me, I had a few people tell me after the fact that they they didn't want to tell me that they failed it like, you know, somewhere part of the way through cuz they thought that it would it would throw me off or whatever. They're like, "Yeah, like Dave, day 50, I was I was out, but I didn't say anything." And I was like, "What the? Really?"
0: <laughs> but then
2: but then when I did phase 1, the I think when I did phase 1 the first time, once again, you know, cuz whenever I do stuff, I tell everybody I tell everybody because to me, it's accountability. If I tell everybody, they, they, they might ask me. Um, but when I did phase one the second time, I didn't tell anybody. I just started and did it. I think I may have posted one time when I was done, and and that was it. Like That one was just truly only for me. Um, I do remember being on a plane ride too, by the way. Uh, it wasn't on 75 hard, though. I was doing a burpee challenge. I remember having to do so many burpees on a plane and people looking at me like I was crazy, but whatever.
1: <laughs> that's right. It's it's uh, that's that's the thing. It was uh, it was transformational for me. I don't know about 75 hard being transformational for you. What was the most <laughs> influential book that you read?
2: Uh, Goggins.
1: can't hurt me. That
2: that book. is I, I could I could read that book again. Um, and And I listened to him. And, you know, some people ask me, they're like, how do you, how do you listen? He, he just sounds angry. I don't know. I find something in him that's just so, so unique. I mean, how, first of all, how many people have ever done what he's done? You know, go, gone through all the different training and the different uh, uh, military organizations, right? I mean, he's, he's been through them all and he's run you know, incredible lengths, you know, his pull-up challenge. I don't know, there's just something about that kind of spirit um, that really drives me, you know. I kind of I kind of hear his voice a lot. Um, I really enjoyed actually just reading the 75 Hard book. Um, you and I have talked about this. I, I listened to Frisella um, not as often as I was in the beginning. I listened to him every day. There, there were days, though, that it was not good for me to listen to him because I would treat, I would treat everybody around me just like you are worthless. You are pathetic. And, and I just, and, and, and he, you know, once again, he does sound I and I don't know why, like these guys that are like, they, they had this grunt in their voice. And that's just that, that guttural almost yelling at you, you know, but you, when you listen to Jocko Jocko a pretty intense dude. But he almost whispers and he makes you feel like you're such, you know, like, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, I uh, Extreme Leadership was a, a great book, a little a little dry uh, because it was, it was just a lot of information. I think what I got out of Goggins was because I, I felt like I was in his head a little bit. I felt like I understood what he was thinking, what he was going through, where I, I didn't really get that um, when I read Jocko's book.
1: So, yeah, I think that. You know, you're talking about extreme ownership. You know, that was I, that was my go-to. You know, it was a hard read, but a very easy listen. Yeah. Okay. Um, You know, the second time I did 75 hard, I wanted to go through it again. So what I did is I read the 10 pages while Jocko read it. Got it. So I, you know what I mean? Yep. And, um, you know, I think extreme ownership hit me hard because people just don't have it. It drives me crazy. Mm-hmm. Just like the guys said that, hey, you know, we didn't want to t- tell you that in 50 days we quit. Why? Mm-hmm. You didn't want to tell me to make me not stop, or you didn't want to tell me because you failed. Which right. one is? Which one is it really? Come on, right? right? Okay, you, you're you're putting off your like you didn't want to derail me because you derailed.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Your failure will never derail me. You know what I mean? I can mm-hmm. tell you that. You know what I'm saying? And so. I think that's what it was. And it was eye opening for me because, I, you know, to be honest, I guess I'd have to look back on things and say I have to take ownership on certain things. You know, I always bring it back to the uh, the debt collector. Right. Um, we you, debt collector calls and, and you, you scream and yell at him because you are irresponsible with your finances. Right. It's his fault that you're calling right. me. I dare you call me. And I guess I just take that, I guess as a martial arts teacher, tell me, you don't, it doesn't drive you crazy where just, just say what you're going to say. Say, just have some ownership that hey, it's, it's, you know, Hey, I'm not doing this. And I guess that's why you had ownership. You know, that's why you wouldn't do 75 hard and stuff. Cause you told me straight up, I'm not ready, man. If I can't commit to it, I ain't doing it. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? It's, it's, I just thought that that's just something that lacks, uh, you know, for sure. So we've already got at a minute, an hour 15, dude, we can do, we can do this for, for a long time, but, uh, you, you know, I wanted to hit some, uh, some other stuff with you. So I'm going to have you and Jay, what you think, um, give us your, your, you know, whether it's 75 hard or whether it was your consulting your two things. I want to know you the most pivotal part in your life. What, what changed course for you? And how can it be applied to our students or people listening?
2: Hmm. Pivotal point in my life. Um, the most pivotal point in my life was when Madison was born, because I didn't take. You know, Jackie had a full time job when when uh, when we were first married, and and when we had Maddie, and when Madison was born we made the decision that Jackie wasn't going to go back to work. She was going to, you know, stay at home and help me. And and she by no means really a stay at home mom, to be honest, because she probably works just as hard, if not harder than I do in all that she does. But um, when Madison was born, it changed my life because it was no longer about just me or, you know, just us because Jackie and I could take care of ourselves. But having a family, And um, having someone that was going to depend on me and someone to look up to me, you know, Um, because I always wanted my students to look up to me. But when you have this little baby girl looking at you, um, that that is probably what changed my life, because that's that's when I decided to get more serious about the business. That was right around the time that I got into Maya and started learning, like, we need to make a little more money for our future, for her future. Um, so, I I would say that was a huge pivotal moment in my life.
0: Hmm.
1: Well, wh- how does that? How do you think that that can help? Uh, you know, what's what's the thing that you can tell your students that you want to end with? Yeah, it's it's not all about
2: you. I it took me a long time to learn yeah. that. That it's not it's not all about me um i don't teach in my school every day not because i don't want to it's because i want to allow leaders to grow within my school i want to give opportunity to to my team it's not always about me and you know me being promoted or me being put on this pedestal it's about me helping other people come to the next level so um for young people, if I could go back and tell myself when I was younger, uh, I would say look, look at the people around you and, and help them up and bring them up and and uh, create a team and create a family. It's one of the things that I think that I'm most proud of in my school. And you, you said you've seen it, you know, not just within my own family, my, my wife and my kids, but I really try to grow that within my students. They all take care of each other. They all they all look out for each other. I think that if we all do that a little bit more, um, we won't point fingers as quickly, right? I think that we'll all work together, you know, for a solution instead of pointing out all the problems. So, you know, it's not all about you. Bring up the people around you. Create leaders within your organization. Allow people to lead. Allow your ego to kind of step to the side and, uh, you know, just keep feeding them more opportunity
1: that's good that's good jay so i'm gonna end with this jay for you so i you know i i know you you know we don't like getting uh i know you're a lot like i am i don't like getting a lot of acclimates i'm not a big fan of being called grandmaster and all that kind of stuff it's just not i don't like that you know what i mean you you know how i am uh and i know that you're a, a lot the same way you got a humble spirit uh when it comes to to stuff like that, I think as we've gotten to be older men, it's even it's even more prevalent. When we've seen and have experienced life, we just see that what we thought were problems back then aren't really what they are. Uh, you know what's what's important. So with that being said, I want to tell you just uh, you know as your instructor and sometimes mentor and 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 now peer and workout partner because that's really what happens in life. You know your students become. Uh, peers and workout partners. You know, I might have a little more life experience than you do and, and you'll learn from me, but uh, it's been a give and take uh, as watching you, uh, you know, mature into the man that you are today. That has been a pleasure to be your instructor. It's been a pleasure to uh, watch you grow. I've learned from you just as much as you've learned from me. I I think uh, your strong uh, family bond. Uh, I know marriage is not an easy thing and, and, even though you guys have a great marriage, you know that you've made a commitment to a marriage and commitment means we don't quit even when our mood wants us to quit. And so I believe that's how you, you guys uh, keep pursuing and doing things. And I think that, you know, you've, you've made something that your kids get to see, you know, your, your son gets to see what, you know, Hey, my dad was a good man. This is what he did is what he taught me. You know, your daughter knows love from a daddy, that is an unconditional love. You know, she's got a man that she gets to come to every time that she needs something. And uh, so I just want to give that to you and appreciate uh, the time that I get to tell people about you a little bit, because you're, you know, you're out there uh, doing your thing. And so I wanted to end with that. Uh, You know, I can keep on going, sir, but, (laughs) you know, people are probably bored of us talking now as it is. So I appreciate it. Thank you. Thank
2: you very much. I, I, I really enjoyed this. Uh, and I, I enjoy that we kind of do this together, right? We've got a, a, a tag team of, of podcasts on, on Monday. So, you know, you guys are watching this now, make sure you tune in every Monday to watch Real Talk with Mr. Cox.
1: And so yours is at noon, Master Motivation. You got, you got somebody on today here just in in an hour or so, correct? Yes, yes, I do. Yeah. So, you know, I do mine at nine, you do yours at noon and, uh, you know, I, in between, I do a little one for the Master Motivation. Um, you know, I'll tell you the master motivation, anybody's looking there, we should probably should start putting these, is it in master motivation? Is this live in master motivation or is it only your podcast?
2: This is not, um, I actually don't do my podcast in there live, but I, but I share it and absolutely uh-huh. you're welcome to share yours in there. And we've got a couple other people. Uh, it's been great having, uh, not only you, but we have Dave Kovar that shares, we have, uh, Sean Nelson, who who has been sharing Kevin Kowalczyk, Jose Escobar has been sharing. So, um, yeah, yeah it's, 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 it's,
0: it's,
1: it's, been really yeah, good. it's been good. I'd like to see a little more interaction from our, our you know, it's a master motivation and listen, we get motivation. If you guys are listening, we get as much motivation from you as you do from us. You got to intergate. You got, you got to, you, you got to, you got to engage, man. Okay. Yeah. You got to share things. You've got to, you've got to share things. You got to say, Hey, I, that relates to me or, Hey, that doesn't relate to me. You know what I'm saying? you know right and and so. sometimes
2: sometimes i think the best motivation is being honest like i'm having a shitty day i'm <laughs> having a I'm, I'm having a real rough one <laughs> yeah. like can someone give me a little you know a little kick in the butt you know yeah so <laughs> um i would love it love to see that interaction in the group so make sure you guys That's go and join
1: it all right man I'll all catch right that. we'll see you on the telephone meeting in 45 minutes <laughs> i'll see you in a bit all right, all right. Mm-hmm. thanks guys see you yeah. later
0: You've been listening to Real Talk with Mark Cox. Real life, real topics, real conversation. We're passionate about motivation, fitness, self-defense, weight loss,